the LexisNexis Emerging Issues Law Community Podcast. Presentations and interviews with leading attorneys and industry professionals. On this edition, David Bender, author of Bender on Privacy and Data Protection. The opinions expressed by guests interviewed on LexisNexis Legal Podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of Reed Elsevier Incorporated, LexisNexis, subsidiary companies, shareholders, employees, or customers, and should not be considered legal advice. David Bender is a sole practitioner with extensive privacy, information technology, and IP litigation, counseling, and transactional experience. He's also an adjunct professor at the University of Houston Law Center, where he teaches privacy law. Before retiring from White & Case in 2007, Mr. Bender headed the firm's global privacy practice. He was also a founder of White & Case's IP practice. Mr. Bender served in-house at AT&T for 10 years, during the latter half of which he was responsible for all IP litigation brought by or against any Bell System company. Prior to that, he spent five years engaged in antitrust litigation. And before turning to the law, he served as an engineer with the Ford Motor Company's Aerospace Division and as a mathematician with Hughes Aircraft. Mr. Bender is the author of Bender on Privacy and Data Protection, which was published in August 2011 by LexisNexis. Mr. Bender, pleasure to have you with us on this LexisNexis Legal Podcast. Thanks for being here. Good to be here. This is a very timely book right now. Why is privacy so important? Well, it's because of the corporate need as well as an individual's need uh, to respond to the mushrooming number of privacy legal problems. Those uh, problems arise from such things as the burgeoning number of highly publicized issues. For example, social networking, data security breaches that we read about every week, uh, and then the latest activities of leading-edge companies such as, as Google. Also, there's a growing consumer awareness as to the effects of a lack of privacy, and this is this is borne out by consumer surveys. And beyond that, there's a plethora of both legislation and proposed legislation at the federal, state, and international levels, uh, as well as an accelerating number of privacy laws that have been passed in recent years at the federal and state level. And right now, there are a number of bills for the first time in Congress directed toward uh, comprehensive privacy, and there are a zillion bills in the state legislatures. It's not an exaggeration, I think, to say that at this moment, there's no area of law that is growing faster than privacy. Yeah, I think you're right. And really, this is such a huge issue. People in, in all levels of, uh, of an organization or, or a corporation are having to deal with these, these issues, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, obviously, there are many lawyers in law firms now whose practice embraces various aspects of privacy, and they have to be up on it. But uh, aside from that, there are uh, many people inside corporations, uh, lawyers in the corporate legal departments, whose uh, responsibilities now include areas where privacy is uh, of paramount importance. And even beyond that, in corporations, there are many non-lawyers who have responsibilities, uh, significant responsibilities in the privacy area. This, these would include people such as privacy officers, compliance officers, and security officers. All of these people have to have a good handle on various aspects of privacy in order to, to do their jobs in the company. You know, one of the things that nobody ever wants to see happen or ever wants to hear about, but it does occur, and that is uh, a data security breach. 
What are some practical and useful suggestions that you have or, or best practices you could suggest for dealing with a data security breach? Perhaps the most important thing that has to be understood with regard to these security breaches is that you cannot react for the first time after you learn that you have uh, this kind of problem on your hands. You have to have a list of things to do before the fact so that you stay out of that area because you don't want to have to confront one of these. And uh, equally important, you have to have a list of things, a detailed list of what to do after you realize that you're in that bind. And the important thing to recall or or remember is that you want these lists now. You want them before you're called upon to react because unless you have the lists ready, you're going to react in a panic manner and you won't get the kind of rational reasoned response that um, you're really going to have to take in order to deal appropriately with this this type of uh, phenomenon. And by the way, another area where practical suggestions are valuable is with regard to privacy policies. Again, you need a detailed list of considerations, suggestions, as well as sample clauses for drafting your own privacy policy. You don't want to just go on the web and and willy-nilly copy something that looks appealing to you. And a further area where you want some specific suggestions is with regard to recommended security practices. So the bottom line is have a plan in place before something catastrophic happens. Yeah, if you don't, you're really going to be behind the eight ball because it's it's difficult to play catch-up when these things happen. Uh, they take on a life of their own. They move very quickly. You have to get, usually, you have to get uh, a substantial amount of forensics involved. Uh, those things take time, and you don't want your people running around like chickens with their heads cut off. It has to be organized, and everyone has to know before it happens what he or she is supposed to be doing. You touched on legislation uh, briefly a while back, and I know that there are a number of major federal statutes that people need to be aware of and know about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the more important, and these this is just uh, really the, the tip of the mountain because there are a lot of statutes, but the Fair Credit Reporting Act is important. That uh, regulates credit reporting agencies and those who interact with them. Uh, the HIPAA, the uh, Health Insurance Portability and Administration Act regulates health care privacy. The Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act is directed to privacy regulation of financial institutions. The CAN-SPAM Act puts restrictions on emails requiring such things as, oh, correct source information and a simple and effective opt-out feature. Uh, The Freedom of Information Act, which we might not think of in a privacy context, actually has two privacy exceptions that are heavily litigated. Yeah, that's one that uh, the media picks up on quite frequently as being litigated. Yeah. Uh, You know, we think of it as, uh, you know, it's supposed to be a blanket right to get whatever the government has. But if you look at the list of exceptions, they're quite, uh, they cover a fair amount of ground and two of them are pretty much directed to privacy. And over on the criminal side, The Wiretap Act is directed to the interception of communications. The Stored Communications Act um, goes to uh, access to messages that are in electronic storage. And the Pen Register Act is directed to recording destination or source information for phone calls and Internet access. So these are just some of the many federal statutes. These are some of the more heavily litigated statutes. But uh, there are a lot of others, and I think before long there will be others yet uh, because Congress is 
You know, it, it surprises me that with all the things on Congress's plate at this moment in history, there are a number of bills uh, introduced by prominent legislatures directed, ex- you know, expressly to comprehensive privacy legislation. Well, do you think any of those have a chance of being signed into law in the near future? Yeah, I don't. Yes, I don't know about uh, whether it'll happen this year, but I think uh, I would think that there's a good chance that something will be signed by the end of next year, and you know, I think it'll be a fairly comprehensive thing. You mentioned state law as well. Uh, I imagine that state law comes into play with data privacy issues as well. Oh, yeah, very much so. Let me give you just a few examples. There are uh, state breach notification statutes, which first came into existence in 2003, and now we have them in 46 states. These are designed to deal with the data security breaches that we read about all the time. Or at least we read about some of the more dramatic ones. There are many, many ones that we don't read about. Also, there's privacy litigation under various state law causes of action, and there's a good amount of litigation of that type. Uh, One type deals with common law privacy torts, which are really among the oldest privacy laws that we have, but they're still quite viable and they are litigated. And these are things that are not just happening domestically, but there are international considerations as well. And you address those in the book, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say about one quarter of the book is directed to international considerations, uh, much of that to the EU. Why is that? The EU is important for uh, a couple of reasons. First of all, if U.S. lawyers get involved with multinationals, they're going to get questions that will relate to international privacy matters. Beyond that, the EU has comprehensive privacy legislation, which we do not have in this country. We have a sectoral approach. And as I mentioned with regard to those statutes, you know, we have a statute for healthcare, we have a statute for financial institutions and so forth. The EU hasn't done it that way. They've thrown a blanket over their entire economy and more or less treated everything under that blanket the same, with with a couple of exceptions, but pretty much the same. So they have comprehensive legislation. And that has kind of driven the privacy argument around the world so that uh, they have tried to require other nations to adhere to their laws. Uh, this is, I think it, it manifests itself primarily in the cross-border transfer area where if, you, if, if they don't deem your laws to be, quote, adequate, they make you jump through all kinds of hoops in order to get your uh, personal information outside the EU, in order to transport it, for example, back to the United States. So there are a number of reasons why EU privacy law has become important for U.S. lawyers. And beyond the EU, there is an entity known as the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, known by its initials APEC, that has a privacy framework. And although it's not as far along as the EU framework, it does present a viable and a more business-friendly international attempt to regulate privacy. So I think any U.S. lawyer who is going to get heavily involved with privacy has to be attuned to these efforts that are taking place outside the United States. Yeah, and that really gives you an idea of, of how pervasive, how large this uh, issue really is. Talk about what you'd consider to be emerging topics in this area. I mean, for example, I imagine privacy issues in the cloud computing arena uh, are going to loom large uh, in the very near future. Yeah, yeah, they uh, already are. Uh, and you're right. I think the uh, importance 
of that particular issue will just keep growing. Uh, in fact, I think one of the biggest dampers right now to corporations running and, you know, and, and moving their data into the cloud is, in fact, a concern about just what the privacy considerations of it are. And the book does have an analysis of the privacy issues that are involved in cloud computing. Many of them, those issues are the same as the issues that you have traditionally when you move personal information across borders. Another emerging topic that's getting an awful lot of ink now, as well as legislative attention, is behavioral advertising. This is uh, something that involves the use of what you've been doing on the Internet. For example, if you go into website XYZ and you look at a particular product on that, that can be tracked. These aggregated data points can be grouped. They can be sold. And then the next time you're on, a, on the web, you may end up with an email or, or more likely an ad right there under your nose on the web page. Uh, you won't know where it came from, but the result is that this was sent to you because some company, not the one that you visited last week, but some other company knows that you had an interest in that type of product and they're going to try and sell it to you. I've had that happen to me. I've, I've wondered how, how that, that occurs. Yeah, sometimes uh, their right to do that is recited in their privacy policy and sometimes it's not. But uh, it's an enormous industry now, and again, it's one that's just getting bigger. By the way, a further emerging topic is the relationship between privacy on the one hand and profit on the other hand. There's not a lot that's been written on that. Many people in corporations tend to think of privacy only as an expense, you know, something that depresses the bottom line. But it can also help to generate revenue uh, and add to the top line. And the book does have a chapter on how privacy can add to corporate profit. The further emerging topic that gets some coverage is known as RFID, radio frequency identification. And that is the increasing use of these tiny tags that can do all sorts of things. They can be used by a company like Walmart to keep a track of inventory. They can be used uh, at point of sale, again, to keep track of inventory. They're used at toll booths. You know, we have something in New York called Easy Pass, uh, and that's an RFID technology. Uh, you can you mount this thing in your car, and you go past the gate, and the gate is able to to read the RFID tag, and it knows who you are, and uh, you'll get charged. By the way, I've seen now that we have some installations on a New Jersey turnpike where you fly through at 55 miles an hour, and then the tags get read. Yeah, the technology's really improved. Yeah, it's a, an impressive technology, but it has privacy issues. Well, all of these issues and many others are included in the book, Bender on Privacy and Data Protection. What I really like about this book is that it appears to focus on very practical advice. Was this something you set out to do in writing this? Was this a goal? Yeah, that, that was uh, up front, one of the uh, goals that I tried to adhere to. You know, I, I use books myself, and obviously I like to pick one up, and I don't want to spend an awful long time figuring out what part of it might deal with my particular problem of the moment. Uh, I tried to uh, have a, a break it down so that there's a very detailed table of contents. Uh, I think uh, LexisNexis did a good job with the index. There are 
a lot of uh, areas of how-to content, the tract, uh, chapter on drafting privacy policies, the material on dealing with data security breaches are examples of that. Uh, at the head of each chapter and also uh, at the uh, beginning of each significant section, uh, I have a several-sentence summary of what's contained there. So uh, as to avoid the necessity of having to actually read that chapter or read that section to know what it's about, uh, you can look at the summary and you know if that's what you want. If not, you go on to something else. If it is, you read that chapter. Uh, I tried to think of things like that to save time for, you know, people are generally pretty busy in this area, and I think features like that would be attractive. Probably going to get even busier. Any final thoughts as we wrap up here as far as these issues are concerned, or the book in general? Well, I think uh, on, on the issues, I think, and I don't know that this is entirely good, but I think privacy is becoming increasingly more important, not only in corporate life, but in our everyday life. And uh, the unfortunate truth of the matter is that we have to learn how to cope with that. And this book is an attempt to, to do exactly that. I did, I did try to embrace a lot of very different areas in the privacy front. You know, privacy is not an area like uh, constitutional law or criminal law that's been around for a long time, recognized as a separate area, so that it has what I'd call a vertical columnar area uh, of, of doctrines. Privacy is what I think of as a horizontal area. It cuts across these other areas. It has aspects of constitutional law, aspects of criminal law, aspects of tort law. Uh, and there are all kinds of manifestations, more of them every year. So, I, you know, I tried, well, you can only get so much into 1,500 pages. I did try to reach out and embrace a relatively wide area without going to the point where the treatment would be superficial. The book is entitled Bender on Privacy and Data Protection. David Bender, thank you very much for your time and your thoughts on these issues and for being part of this LexisNexis Legal Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this LexisNexis Legal Podcast. Visit the LexisNexis communities. Register for free at LexisNexis.com slash community and follow the communities on Facebook and Twitter. The LexisNexis Emerging Issues Law Community Podcast, copyright 2011 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. I'm Steve Bursler. Thanks for listening.